Hello, I'm James King and welcome to Cinema Stories, the programme that doesn't just celebrate films, it's about the whole film-going experience. Whether it's messily necking popcorn at the IMAX or carefully nibbling gluten-free carrot cake at the Community Arts Centre, each week my guest tells us about the big screens that have shaped their cinema-going life. One guest, three cinema choices, lots to talk about. My guest this week is Gareth Gwynn, a comedian, writer and producer from Neath, who's a regular on BBC Radio 4 and Radio Wales, both in front of the microphone and behind the scenes. You'll have heard him doing jokes on The Now Show, The Rod Gilbert Show and Archive on 4, and you'll have heard other people doing his jokes on sitcoms Ankle Tag, Passing On and Bull, as well as the legendary non-sitcom Top Gear. That I'm fascinated by. So you were writing jokes for... Matt LeBlanc. That's right. I was the Matt LeBlanc era. That's that's a good thing to have on your CV, right? It, it is because when you're a comedy writer, if you saw, people will go, "Oh, so what have you what have you worked on that I'd have seen?" Yes, or that that, I'd that's have heard. the worst question, isn't it? Yeah, and the moment I got off the of Top Gear, I was like, "Right, well, that's an easy one. Good. That's that's great." Now people go, "What have you worked on Top Gear? Brilliant. Everyone knows what that is. Even my grandparents know what that is." Excellent, fine. And what I should say, I will, I will point out, is that I did not get to go on any of the jobs. Oh, okay, right, yeah. I was very much yeah. cold blokes in an aircraft hangar in Dunsfold. Right, that if you was... can if you can make jokes then, you can make jokes can, anywhere. Yeah, I guess that's true. We go from writing them in a cold porter cabin, reading them in a cold porter cabin, and then we <laughs> cross across a car park and do them in an if possibly even colder <laughs> aircraft hangar. Um, I think that some of the people who who stand there and do that with a smile on their face for however long those recordings are deserve a medal. So tell us about your first choice of cinema, Gareth. Right. So my first choice is the UCI in Swansea. And that is, I think, a controversial choice. because uh, So I grew up in Neath. Yep. I went to school in Port Albert. And if you're from that area and are of a certain age, then the cinema you are meant to say is the cinema that you went to was the Plaza in Port Albert, which is a cinema of legendary status. It's this lovely Art Deco building uh, near the train station in town, and it is it is mentioned in Richard Burton's diaries. Anthony Hopkins used to go there, and there's a very good story about him speaking to the staff in a foyer and settling a dispute with a... <laughs> Settling a dispute with a distributor on the phone from the foyer. Amazing. Um, it's Mike, Hannibal Lecter. You've yeah, got to show my movie. Of course. He's, you're not going to mess with him. Um, <laughs> Michael Sheen went there. He has made documentaries. But there's a lovely documentary on uh, on the Radio 4 website about this cinema in Port Albert. It means so much to the people of Port Albert, but it is safe to say that by the time I was of cinema-going age, it was past its prime. Right. For me, that cinema... I associate with naughty boys, delinquents <laughs> running amok, uh, just a food fight happening behind me. I, I, the only film I vividly remember seeing there was The Water Boy, and I looked it up today, and that was 1998, yep. and it closed in January 1999. So I was definitely there for those sort of... Adam Sandler movies throws. do tend to close cinemas, <laughs> I think, don't they? They have that effect. Um, so as legendary as that is yeah. that's not your choice no it's not and i feel a little bit bad because the cinema that i am picking is the one it's we all know the story it's one of the ones that put those cinemas out of business um which is the uci in swansea which was um in a place called park Towie, which is what you'd associate with an out-of-town shopping center but 
weirdly in Swansea, it is walking distance from town. Um, you can get to it from the train station very quickly. But it's it's exactly what you imagine. It's a UCI cinema surrounded by... Well, what I realised is there is a mother care, a children's world, a Toys R Us, a bowling alley, and a cinema, which means they've got you from the age of three months till you're 17. All it is missing is a pub, and then they've got you... For, although, actually, there is a Staples office supply, so they have got you as an adult as well. But they... It just, as a kid, it it just seemed to be the most fun place in the world. Uh, and, the, yeah, the cinema was right in the centre of that. And that is where, it, all through the early 90s, when I'd have been sort of 10, 11, 12, I guess, that sort of age... That's where we went. And it was a new building, so it all felt very shiny and snazzy. Yeah. And there was a <laughs> there was a thing in the centre of it called Plantasia, which was a huge greenhouse full of trees, which were meant to look like lush and as though you were in the, I don't know, the Amazon rainforest or something. But actually, from the outside now, it just looks faintly dirty. <laughs> what it was is when I was a kid, it felt super trendy and exciting. Well, this is the thing, because you went there repeatedly. Yeah. So you, you enjoyed yourself, right? You Loved had a good it. time there. And as well, because all the things around it were fun, you could go bowling, and then you go to the cinema. It was this absolute fun park. And then I remember going there in sort of the 2000s when a lot of these units had closed and they were just empty. And it was all just like, ah, this... This feels like where fun came to die. <laughs> it just all seems really strange. Any particular favourite movies you saw there? The ones that spring to mind. So I, this would have been in the early 90s. So this would have been the AE. I'm going to see films like Home Alone. Right. Um, I remember seeing Home Alone there. I remember seeing, I think, The Nutty Professor there. So there's all those sorts. The one that absolutely is ingrained in my memory, and I bet loads of people my age have this memory, is My Girl. Because Macaulay Culkin is at the height of his powers. He's done Home Alone. Has he done Richie Rich? I think he might have even done Home Alone 2. But we are we are all nailed on that Macaulay Culkin is the key to a family fun day out. <laughs> and I remember going to see my girl for, I think, my brother's birthday. Because I remember there were a lot of his friends there. And, spoiler alert, that is that film does not have a happy ending. Tragic. It's not really a kid's film. You know, I was... Uh, utterly shocked when I saw that film. And I was a teenager. You know, yeah. I, was, I was probably too old to watch it, really. Yes. <laughs> but, but but it's just... I mean, I think it's actually great. I thought it was actually really good because it did shock me like that. I haven't seen it since that day. But my my abiding memory of that UCI is just looking up the, the, the row and seeing probably seven bawling children. We'll all try not to because they're there with their friends. <laughs> Oh my god, what a... I mean, it's a real... I remember my parents were there thinking, I've taken these kids for a fun day out. <laughs> this has gone This has gone horribly wrong. Um, I think My Girl was a... That is a brave choice by Macaulay. Like, thinking back, what an odd film to make. But that is the one that sticks in my mind. So you're listening to Cinema Stories with me, James King, and special guest Gareth Gwynn, who's just been telling us all about the UCI in Swansea. And of course, as always, we've got producer Phil Stocker here too. In the hizzy house. Hello. Um, so, bearing in mind we're on, like, memory road, or at the very least, memory avenue, right? So, I was kind of, like, thinking, well, what are my, some of my earliest memories of going to the cinema? And mm. the one for me, I'm from Windermere originally, so you'd go down to uh, the Royalty Cinema, Boness, right? <laughs> and it's got a circle, it's beautiful 1930s Art Deco, you know, throwing popcorn from the circle. Anyway, back to memory avenue, 
It was the 90s, 1994. I went to see a big film in February 1994. Any thoughts what that might be? I think we're in my girl territory here, but it's not that. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire? Close. It's actually Cool Runnings. <sighs> yes. came out 25th of Feb 1994. I had to look that up. I wasn't going to see Cool Runnings, but that what was all on the main screen. But I remember queuing up in the foyer of the royalty to go and see something. And in the foyer, they had the latest edition of Flix magazine. The free handout... You remember Flicks, yeah, Gareth? Yes, I do. I know right. the one. So, you know, I think I looked at this up. It ran from 1985 to October 2000. Okay. Apparently. Yeah. Um, but all I can remember is like, so there were like loads of these free copies of the magazine. And um, uh, obviously John Candy is in Cool Running. Yeah. Right. And so the front page of Flicks magazine was this full page spread of John Candy, big smiley face, double thumbs. It was yeah. the 90s. And the caption is, everything's fine and dandy. For John Candy. I know where this is going. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wasn't in there in the opening week of Cool Runnings. Seven days had passed. Tragically, so had John Candy. Yes. That's the problem. Yes. He was off of dead. So oh. everything is definitely not fine and dandy. Oh. It's the opposite of fine and dandy for John Candy. Oh, that's unfortunate. Maybe someone should have tidied them away. <laughs> this story's making me really sad. <laughs> but the thing is, though, they'd have been in cinemas across the UK. Yeah. There would have been a lot of fine and dandies for John Candies. Maybe every other cinema pulled them. Do you remember flicks, James? I used to collect flicks, actually. In fact, I've probably still got them. I don't really throw things like that away. So I suspect when I go back to my parents' house and look in their attic, there will be... I didn't collect pornography. I collected <laughs> flicks magazines. That was the kind of kid I was. Those were the magazines I was interested in. So I suspect I might even have it's all fine and dandy for no. John Candy. So you know, I'll, I'll I'll keep an eye out, and if I can find it for a next another episode, then we'll bring it in. Uh, but yes, definitely used to collect flicks magazine. <laughs> Phil, thank you very much for your slightly macabre but welcome anecdote. Um, cinema number two, Gareth, what you got for us? Right. So cinema number two is the Coliseum in Brecon. Uh, we moved out of Neath when I was a teenager and we moved towards Brecon. And then during one of the summers at university, it is where I got a job. Oh, wow. So I have a lot of very fond memories of the Coliseum. Weirdly, I was thinking about this on the way in. I struggle to remember films I saw there as a punter. Yeah. Because the time I was there working there, those are the ones that I absolutely identify Partly because if you work in a cinema, and I and I, it's a very small cinema, so it's two screens, family run. It's really lovely, actually. It's really really lovely cinema, but because it's small, it's a very small operation, which means that if you work there, you do a bit of everything. Uh, so I was the cashier, I sold the ice creams, and I was the usher. So I was also the one who told off the kids if they were naughty. So you do a little bit of everything, and that means you see the same film. A lot. So you have to stay in the actual cinema whilst it's playing. Yeah, I could I could t- talk you through my routine right now. So you get there, you go to the uh, boss, who was also the projectionist, and he'd be in his little office. You get the float, you take it, you put that in the till, and you get ready. I say till, there was no till. And one of the reasons I think I got this job is because at the time I was doing a maths degree. And they put a job thing in the, win- oh, thing in the window going, vacancy. And I went, and I remember having the interview... And they said, oh, so what do you do? And I said, I'm doing a maths degree. And at that point, I, I, could have, I could have done anything after that point in the interview and I'd have got that job because there was no tell. You had to do all the maths in your head. Yeah. And so they wanted someone 
who could do their 4.5 times table or 3.5 times table if it was children. And so that was that was it. That's why they wanted me. So I'd get my float and then I'd get the whole bit set up, get the popcorn bit set up, especially if it was midweek where I had to do both the popcorn bit and that. Get everyone in, count up, put once everyone's safely in the cinema, add up all the money, hand that in, and then dash and get ready to be the ice cream boy. Because <laughs> the <laughs> the trailers would be happening. Yeah. That would be my countdown. Yeah. And then at the end of the trailer, just as they unwrap the Solero in the advert, I would have to walk down the aisle. So I would be turning around just for the point where they go, Solero. And then I would be there. And then I would have to, again, do all the maths in my head, which is harder with ice cream because it's all different prices. <laughs> and I'd have to, um, yeah, and then I would do that. And then that would be done. Take that back. Add up all the money from the ice cream. Put the ice cream so it didn't get sold back in the freezer. Hand it in. And then I'd have to go and watch the film and keep an eye on everyone. And Sounds exhausting. Yeah, it was. But it was weird because what you had was a very busy 45 minutes and then slumping in a chair to watch Pirates of the Caribbean for what was probably, I think I saw, oh, how many times did I say it? I think I saw 26 times. Oh, my word. That I mean, that's Pirates not fair the- on anybody, is it, really? <laughs> Weirdly, with that one, I think I developed sort of Stockholm Syndrome. I think you start to go, oh, I can't be that bad if it's still running. Um but yeah, that was the that was the routine. That was the cinema time routine. And tell me about the audiences then. What's the most annoying thing about patrons at a cinema on the audiences? That's a very good question. I think they're all... Gen- generally well-behaved? Generally well-behaved. They're all individual little snowflakes. They're all different audiences. Um, they are generally well-behaved. I do have specific memories of things that happened. If kids were disruptive, my tactic was... So I had a seat right at the back. There was one reserved seat at the back very back left. That was where I sat. And if kids were disruptive, my tactic was always to just go and sit behind them. That was all. And nine times out of ten, that actually worked. Because yeah. if you just sit behind them, they'll shut up. And that was fine. So that was, see, I'm the son of a teacher. This is where I get the tactics from. So that would, that would generally work. But I remember there were some, and they were being a bit rowdy. And I thought, I'm going to have to deploy sitting behind them technique. So I remember walking round the back, walking down the aisle, and I arrived at behind them, right at the point when one of them picked up a full bottle of Fanta and smashed it over his friend's head incredibly hard. But I was three inches away in order to just go, no, and grab I think he thought I was a ninja, because the last time he'd seen me, I was <laughs> 20 rows away at the back. I had teleported to immediately behind him and grabbed him. Um, generally... People were pretty good. I only remember one person asking for their money back in all that. I was thinking this today. Only one person. Do you want to have a guess as to what film in 2003 that would have been? Oh, that's a good question. 2003. And I'll give you a clue. Um, it, was a, it was a sequel to something. It was not, it was not the first of its um, set. Uh, what about Legally Blonde 2, Red, White and Blonde? No. no it what wasn't about there. Miss Congeniality 2, uh, Arms and Fabulous. No, this is a fun game. I'm <laughs> yeah. enjoying this. <laughs> um, go on, you got to tell us. Terminator 3. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. it's the only film I remember someone. And um, oddly, that day, I wasn't being catchy. My boss was. I don't know what happened. And they asked for their money back because they didn't think it was very good. They, yeah. Well, yeah. you, but you can't do that, can well, you? Well, I mean, you could work in a cinema with that response. <laughs> that was exactly... Um, my boss, I remember it vividly, him using the excuse... 
if you go to a football match, your team loses, you can't ask for your money back. But someone was, I, it's the only one. Let's be honest, 2003 wasn't a golden year. <laughs> so I'm surprised that was, that was the only one. And then the other thing I remember vividly is the regulars. So there are people who go to the cinema regularly and that's great. But what you sort of expect is that they will come and see a different film each time. What you don't expect is the people who will come and see the same film again and again and again. And it was Pirates of the Caribbean. I remember there wow. was there was a woman who came. So it must have come out on a Friday. She did Friday lunchtime and then she did Friday tea time. And then she came Saturday 2pm and she did Saturday tea time. And then I remember she wasn't there at Sunday <laughs> lunchtime. I thought, okay, four times. She's done. And then she was first in the queue on Sunday wow. evening. I thought, wow, fine times. Do you times. think she's just a massive Orlando Bloom fan? She, now, the funny thing was, I think she did the same for the third Lord of the Rings. Was Orlando Bloom in that one? He was, uh, well, actually, yeah, maybe I've hit on something I here. think you have. I think you've, yeah. you've, you've cracked the code. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, but I remember she was, a, and I think she saw it again after that at some point. Yeah, she was a regular, but it was very Pirates of the Caribbean driven. Um, <laughs> Oh, wait, badly behaved one. Here's a strange one. The Piglet movie. Yes. I mean, that's surely you're asking for yeah. riots. So the Piglet, the funny thing about the Piglet movie is in it, Piglet goes missing. That's the plot of it. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, he's... so. The, and the other characters have to look for Piglet. What I wasn't expecting is the children in the cinema to get up and start looking themselves. <laughs> That's and quite you, sweet, really, is. isn't it? And you go, I don't know how I can pull this under control because everyone's got a parent. It's not my... No one's, no three-year-old's here on their own. But there is. there was a lot of shouting, piglets, like, as, as the characters are searching for piglets, so too are the kids. Um, that was fun, thinking of the kids' films, because it was something, there's a lot of kids' films. The other one that came out, there was a Rugrats movie. And what was notable about that Rugrats movie is that it was scratch and sniff. <laughs> and I remember at the start, the, my boss came up to me going, right, so this Rugrats movie is going to be scratch and sniff. This is the box of scratch and sniff cards. Yes. Now, I can't remember how many we got. I think it might have been 50 or 100 scratch and sniff cards. And he said, that won't be enough for the week. So only give them to the kids. Don't give them to the adults. I'm sure they'll be fine with that. First of all, yeah, all the adults were fine with that. Nobody, nobody kicked off, which was good. But what I will say is that they grossly overestimated how popular that Rugrats film would be <laughs> because we were getting audiences of genuinely about seven for that, I seem to remember. And so for the first week, they said, uh, I said, so I'd give the kids their th- like three scratch and stiff cards on the Friday and then Saturday and Sunday. And then I remember by about a week in, I was like, does everyone want ticks? <laughs> like, it's, it's fine. I think somewhere at home I've got a... I've got my own handful of Rugrats scratch and sniff cards because they did not. I tell you, that's the kind of thing I would have collected. That would have gone with my Flix magazine. you'd have had one. Very nicely. A number would flash in the corner of the screen and it would flash one colour, like red, and then when it turned green, that was the point you were meant to sniff. So that was choice number two, the Colosseum in Brecon. And we move away from Wales for choice number three to... Completely different country altogether. Yes. Long way away. Where do we go? This is quite odd because for the third, third choice, I want to pick a cinema I've only been to once. Right. And that is the Volcano Show in Reykjavik. Th- this sounds amazing. Tell me more. It really is. So if you ever go to Iceland, 
one of the things you always want to do is see the Northern Lights. That'll be top of your list of things to do. And if you book on one of the tours that will drive you somewhere you can see it, they will tell you earlier in the day your chances of seeing the Northern Lights. And so what you can do is you can book, and then they'll phone you at like five o'clock and go, it's not going to happen today. So what you need is a backup plan for things you can do when it falls through. And uh, me and my girlfriend found ourselves in exactly that situation. So it's about six o'clock, and you're like, oh, our evening plan has been thwarted. And some canny operator has put on... He's built a little cinema in his garden, basically, to catch these people, almost. And it was in the guidebook, and you go, um, oh, what can we do? Oh, there's this thing called the Volcano Show, and it starts at 8 o'clock. Oh, this this seems bang on. This is for us. So you follow the address, and you go there, and the bit that throws you is you're in a residential street. And you go, well, this doesn't look like the Volcano Show, whatever the Volcano Show is. And then you realise there's a tiny A-board, and you go what feels like down someone's drive, and then there's this red shed. And you go in, and you go, oh, right, this is... This is clearly where I'm meant to be. It's a little room. You're in a foyer, and there's pictures, there's maps of Reykjavik and there's uh, and, and Iceland, and there's little markings as to where the volcanoes in Iceland are. And then there's a little booth where you can buy a ticket for the volcano show, where what felt like the oldest man in the world <laughs> was standing. <laughs> and this this very this this very old but very polite man goes, hello and um, two tickets and you buy your ticket and you, you sit and politely peruse all the things around and then eventually he leads you through into his cinema and he has built a cinema in his garden and it's this um, it, it's quite small, I can't remember it probably sits about 40 people, 40 or 50 people lots of, lots of very like, plush red seats and you sit down and he stands at the front and he does a little talk where he tells you what's going to happen. He's like, we're going to look at two films. One is filmed in 1963, and he talks you through everything. Is he Bob Dylan? He's, he's got this, it's this very faint, and he sort of shambles up, and he, t- he faintly talks you through this, this tale of what you're going to see, and it's okay. these two films. And then he stumbles away, and he hits play. And in the greatest reveal, in my f- view in cinema, on screen a 20-year-old version of the same man appears on screen. And it is genuinely delightful. This, it's obviously him, but about 25, and he bounds onto the screen in this Icelandic countryside and tells you, this is what we're going to be doing. And it's fascinating. So all these films were made by him and his father. And whenever there was a, a volcano they would grab their kit and go. It's like a real-life version of the film Twister, but with lava. They're just there. And they have caught some of these volcanoes. And you're watching the footage going, how did you do this? This is... I think they put themselves in danger getting some of this footage. And it's fantastic. They're really great. There's something lovely about the fact that this shambling man who is pottering around is the one who's you're watching on screen who you know has done it and there's some great there's one the one that really sticks in my mind is a a volcano has erupted in the sea so it just goes and there's water and then there's lava spurting and so you are watching an island being formed this is happening in front of you and it's brilliant and then someone goes 
we need to claim that as Iceland. So someone goes out in like a little, a very sort of shifty looking boat with a little Icelandic flag ready to just go, it's ours, everyone else get away, this is Icelandic, and then sort of rows away to safety. Um, Were there lots of people in the audience? Was it Uh, popular? Four, me, Rhiannon and two other people, which makes it all the more awkward, especially because there are two films, and I think... If I remember correctly, I think he says, you can leave after the first one, but you can't leave after the first one because this is this man's life's work. I'm not going to turn my back on this man to go and look at a cloudy sky where there won't be northern lights. Uh, so you really feel obliged to sit through through them both. But they're lovely. They're these two documentary films shot, and a lot of it is just footage of bubbling rock. There's a, a lot of the time he's, we've given up on commentary and I just remember just spurting rocks and dangerous <laughs> heat everywhere. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating, but it is the fact that there's this little old man is the one who you're watching on screen is just delightful. He's uh, actually called Willy Knudsen. Is he? You've yes. got him there. Um, and uh, this is the Red Rock Cinema, I think, is his official name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, but the Volcano Show is how most people are going to know it's it right. in, in Reykjavik. Um, I was reading reviews of it on TripAdvisor and all glowing reviews. But yeah. one, the one person oh, has put on. a one-star review on saying uh, that the experience was confusing. <laughs> but I'd have thought that's the, that's the whole joy of it, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I, 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 it, it's one of those things. It's this pet project, which I absolutely love, that this is this guy's life's work, and he's put it in, and he's found a way to display it. I don't think it's confusing. What's confusing about a volcano? Some, someone didn't do geography, GCSE. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing confusing about a volcano. They're great. So your first choice of cinema was the UCI in Swansea. Number two was the Coliseum in Brecon. And the third one we've just been talking about was the Volcano Show at the Red Rock Cinema in Reykjavik. Is this like Desert Island Discs where if one of those was to be saved from the waves, you know which what? one do I pick? I actually <laughs> hadn't thought of that, but now now I'm intrigued. Now I want to know the answer. Of course, we should point out to any lawyers listening that this show is nothing like Desert Island Discs whatsoever. Yeah, nothing at all. I would go for the Brecon, the Coliseum. Yeah. Partly because it's the only cinema where I've left with more money than I came in with. <laughs> but also, I think it's a proper family-run cinema. And I know that thing I was saying earlier on about the UCI is... Those cinemas did kill the little pla- the, the Port Albert plazas of this world. And Brecon Coliseum has managed to seemingly with... I mean, God knows how many petitions I've signed over the years of please don't let them open this multiplex in Brecon. It's that sort of... But it, it, they always come through. And it's, it's this thing, it's this lovely family. It's right in the centre of town. It's such a delightful thing. That, yeah, that's definitely the best one. I hope they used to stock Flix magazine back in the day. Did they? Well, I, I would have been working there post Flix magazine, yeah. but I'm sure I'm sure they would have done. Good. They would have done. Good. That's how I yeah. judge any cinema, <laughs> basically. Uh, Gareth, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for Thank telling you for, us about your cinema choices. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Such a nice bloke. The brilliant Gareth Gwynn and a little BTS for you. The batteries in our recorder ran out twice during that interview and we nearly lost everything. Fun times. Check us out on social media at Cinema Stories Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. If you want to see what Gareth and his cinemas look like, drop us a line too. I'd love to hear about where you watch your movies. And don't forget to subscribe, to rate, to review, to tell your friends about Cinema Stories. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.